Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Three Days. There are three distinct days to Passion Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. We're highlighting all three in this mini-series. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Today, as we look into this uh, new series here, we're calling it Three Days. And, of course, it's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what difference does that make? And you'll be surprised as we unpack this that it makes a lot of difference. And as we get into this, and I, I want to just read a few verses of Scripture here out of uh, Luke chapter 19. Of course, this being Palm Sunday, I'm not going to talk so much about Palm Sunday as I am the days prior to Palm Sunday, what led up to this great event. But there's some things that Jesus did that many times were opposite of what people thought Jesus should do. See, a lot of times people have this perception of who Jesus is. They have a perception of what he should be like. And many times Jesus did things opposite of what people thought he should do. And it really kind of got people upset and mad. Uh, and Jesus really came to establish relationship not religion. How many believe that? And so a lot of people think, well, Jesus came to establish religion. No, religion is man's way of getting to God. Relationship is God's way of getting to him. And so Jesus came to establish a relationship. And I want to show you this out of, uh, why don't we read Luke 19 as we uh, talk about Palm Sunday, and then I'll talk about the days that lead to that. It says, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. They were praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. This was the religious people. But he replied, if they kept quiet, these very stones, the stones along the road will burst in the cheers, or another translation said, the very rocks will cry out. And, of course, we know this to be the triumphant entry of Jesus on Palm Sunday, or we call it Palm Sunday because they begin to lay palms before him. It was like laying the red carpet, and they begin to shout and begin to praise God, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious people were upset because they were not accepting Jesus to be the Messiah, and yet this was a fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah that the Messiah would come on a donkey as the king. And Jesus was revealing himself that day that he indeed was the Messiah, that he indeed was the king. And the people were beginning to praise him. And the religious people got upset. And they said, please command these people to stop doing that. And, of course, Jesus said, well, if they stop, then the rocks will begin to praise me. And so something's going to praise God. And so this was the fulfillment of prophecy. But I, what I really want to talk about today, though, is the days that led to Palm Sunday. And it really teaches us a lot about who Jesus is and the extent that he went out to reach people. We were singing that song, Reckless Love of God. I've often had people say, well, God is not reckless. No, it's not defining that God is reckless. It's saying that his love seems to be reckless because he loves you and I. And that he was willing to send Jesus from heaven, bankrupt heaven, 
to come here to this earth, it seems pretty reckless in our eyes, but not that God is reckless. And so I, I want to read this story concerning uh, a man by the name of Zacharias, and I'm going to read this story because I do believe it really shows us the heart of Jesus and, and how he went out of his way to reach people and many times different than what people expected him to do. And so let's read Luke chapter 19, just a few verses ahead. In Luke 19, verse number 1, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He tried to see who Jesus was, but was not able from the crowd because he was a little in stature. So I can relate a little to that, okay? And so he ran ahead and climbed up. I can say that, but you can't say that about me. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the vicinity, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacharias, hurry, come down, for today I must remain in your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, when they saw it, they murmured, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, to the, he said to, uh, and he said to the Lord, Lord, uh, look, I have given all, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will repay him four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I want to pray before we dive into this message today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is relevant in 2019 that it applies to our lives. And Father, I pray today that you would remove every distraction, maybe things that are weighing on our minds right now, that you'll remove that so that we can hear clearly the word of God and how the word wants to speak into our hearts where we're at right now. I pray for every individual that's sitting here. You know what's going on in their lives. You know what's happening in their hearts today. I pray the word of God would speak to them. And Lord, help us to give you our 100% undivided attention in Jesus' name, and the people said, amen. So in essence, the mission of Jesus is defined in that last verse. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want you to understand something. We just read the story. It may just be a simple story of a man just climbing up a tree, trying to get a hold or trying to take a glance at Jesus, and, and Jesus calls to him. And at first glance, as you begin to read that story, it may kind of pass you by, and you may just think, well, that's a great little story. But there's more to that story that's profound here because we have to read between the lines what's actually going on and why did Jesus take the time to talk to this man man because I want you to realize something that when Jesus did something when Jesus spoke to people he did it on purpose there was a purpose behind I should say it was intentional and really when Jesus began to speak to this man this is the core of the gospel how many know what gospel means it means good news this is the core of the good news so Jesus had a reason why he was talking to this man, and there's a lot of things going on here. Number one, this guy, the Caius, uh, uh, during that time, there was two categories of people. 
I'll be more clear. There were two categories of low-life people. Number one, there were sinners. And under sinners, there were tax collectors. And so you were a tax collector. You were under the sinner category. Not only was he a tax collector, the Bible says he was the chief tax collector. And if, you're, if you know any Spanish, we call him the metal metal. He was the main man. Do you guys know that expression? This guy was the metal metal. He was the chief tax collector of that time. And uh, he was very hated by a lot of people. No one liked this man. Everyone hated that man. How many know some people that, uh, you know, that are hated? Maybe in your job, maybe in your community. Maybe you're one of those people. No, you're not. But, but if possible, you may know someone that's very hated. And so the way the Roman government operated during that time is they had taxation. Uh, they, they taxed the people of Israel, and they divided the uh, nation or the, uh, the country there in three different ways, three different districts. It was Caesarea, Capernaum, and it was Jericho. And what they would do is they would hire a man from each region, and they would put him over that region, like the Caius. They would call him basically the district commissioner, but he was the chief tax collector. And what the Romans would do, they would say, from this region, we want so much taxes. You have to collect so much taxes from that region. And so what many of these chief tax collectors would do is they would collect that tax, but they would overtax the people, give Rome what belonged to them, and they would pocket the rest. This is how they became very rich. And so we have a chief tax collector uh, taking money from his own people. You can see how hated he was. He was pocketing the money on the side. And so this high-profile individual was very hated by the Jewish people. They looked at him as a traitor. So the Caius had a couple of things, three strikes against him. Number one, he was a tax collector, and tax collectors weren't very liked back then. Probably a lot, not like a lot today either, if you know who the tax man is. And number two, he was a crooked tax collector or a cheat. And nobody likes doing business with a cheater. And number three, he was working for the most hated empire, which was the Roman Empire, who oppressed its people. And so he's a very hated person. We call this expression, we, the people hated his guts. You ever heard that expression? We just hated his guts. They hated him. They didn't want to be around him because he represented everything that was wrong in life. He represented everything that people hated to be like. So nobody wanted to be around uh, this hated person, uh, this high-profile, despised person. Uh, he's probably not going to be the guy that would be knocking at the door of the church. He's not likely going to be the guy that would be going on church to church on Sunday. He probably would never want to go to church because he knew he probably would not be welcome there. He probably knew that, man, because of his lifestyle, people were going to give him these odd looks. And so this is where this guy's at. And there's probably people outside this building. Can I be truthful? outside this community that probably know this church exists, but many times they're afraid to come in because they don't know how they're going to be received. 
They don't know if people are going to give them odd looks. I'll even take, take a step further. If you know someone in the community with a bad reputation, they may even be afraid to come here because they said, man, these people know me and I'm, they're going to look at me weird. And so because they fear of rejection or they fear being unwanted, they won't walk into a church. And so it's most likely that you would not want to be having coffee at Starbucks with the Caius publicly. You probably want to meet him secretly. Uh, he probably, because the reason why, because the Caius had such a bad reputation that people would start thinking, why are you hanging out with the Caius? Are you part of the scam? What's going on? So most people did not want to associate with him. So here's this Caius guy. He despised. People don't like him. And there's a lot of people in the church today that don't like people like the Caius. I'm not saying here, but, you know, maybe the church down the street. I'm just saying that the Caius is unique. The Caius is unique. He's a despised. He had the despised reputation. But here's what I want you to catch. He is still interested in the spiritual things of God. Because he is making an effort to get to see who Jesus is. And the, one, and the reason I say that is he knew who Jesus was. He must have. He must have heard that Jesus was a teacher. He must have heard that Jesus was a spiritual leader. And so, therefore, he wanted to take a glance. But he didn't want people to see him because, of course, if he started being in the crowd, people would look and say, what are you doing here, man? What, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And so he kind of figures out a way, how am I going to be able to see Jesus? What am I going to be able to do to be able to look at him? And this is the very reason why you and I today, there are people out there today that are interested. They may not seem like on the outside, but on the inside, they want to know who God is. This is why we need to do everything we can. Are you ready for this? To do everything we can to invite them to church. Because there's two times a year that people go to church most of the time. It's Easter and Christmas. We call them CEO Christians. Christmas, Easter, and every other holiday, right? That's what we say. They show up, and we love them. But the reason why people will go to church on Easter or in Christmas, because it's not weird. A lot of people go. But if you ask them to come on February, they say, well, I'm not sure I want to go because... Uh, you know, what is my family going to ask me where you're going? And, and if I tell them I'm going to church, they're going to say, what, is there a funeral going on? Is there a wedding? What, why are you going to church? But if you tell them you're going to church on Easter or Good Friday or Palm Sunday, it's a lot easier for them to go. This is why at the church, we need to invite as many people to church as we can this week. Is that all right? We need to go crazy just inviting people and say, hey, come on. So the Caius is very interested in Jesus. And I imagine he, he gets on the internet, he Googles uh, Jesus' itinerary, he finds out where Jesus is at, he realizes that Jesus is going to come through the town and he's going to come through his area. And so he sets it up, he says, you know what, I'm going to go hide in this fig tree because the sycamore fig tree had a lot of leaves. So he figured, I'm going to go hide. I'm going to get I'm gonna get away from the crowd. I don't want the crowd to see me. And so I'm going to get up there. I'm going to have this vantage point where I can see Jesus. I'm not going to get any odd looks. People are not going to look at me strange. And I'll get to see who Jesus is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now I want you to think about this. Because this guy is wanting to take a look at Jesus. But it's possible he doesn't want to be seen looking at Jesus. 
And it's true in our society today. Many people want to take a look inside this room, but they're afraid to step in this room. So Jesus comes along, and he stops at the foot of the tree where Zacchaeus is sitting. And I, I imagine he must have been shocked because all of a sudden he, Jesus stops, looks at him, and I think he was shocked for a couple of reasons. Number one, he knows he's sitting up there hiding. Number two, he knows his name. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I think the guy almost probably fell off the tree like, what? What? You know who I am? And, and so... Uh, he shouts to Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, because today you and I are going to hang together. You, you and I are going to get together today. Now, I want you to remember what's going on here, because Jesus has an entourage of people that are following him. Number one, he's got his 12 disciples that are following him. He also has the crowd of people that are looking for a free lunch. Because how many remember, he fed the 5,000 fish and bread, right? So they're looking for free filet of fishes. You know, like maybe he's going to give it out today. Maybe today is free filet of fish. I don't know. So they're looking around, uh, hoping maybe he's going to give some free filet of fish. And then he's got the other crowd of people following him. It's the fake news people. And they're going to, you know, decide, uh, change the story around, capitalize it, twist it around. Not getting political now. Listen to me. Fake news has been around since 1894. Did you know that? It was called humbug news, fake news, and uh, journalists would do that, so don't get all worked up. I'm not getting political, okay? I was thinking about, I was seeing a couple of girls today, I seen with their nose earrings, you know? And I was realizing, man, where did those nose earrings come from? Did you know that in Genesis chapter 24, they talk about gold nose earrings? So they've been around, you, you, you girls, you've been, you're, you're, man, you're out of date, man. They've been doing that since, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I just said that, I'm, I'm just having a good time. So, so Jesus stops at the foot of the tree, he looks at Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus comes down to go with him and said, let's go to the house together, and immediately all the crowd, what do they do? They begin to get on their phones, and they begin to trend socially on social media and say, you can't believe who Jesus went to the house with today. Everybody starts talking. Fake news people are putting their spin on it. Uh, all these other people are doing this. They're saying, you can't believe who Jesus went. This despised guy, he went to go be at his house. The scripture said they murmured, they complained, and they began to make hashtags like Jesus hanging with sinners, uh, hashtag with the evil little man, uh, hashtag big mistake Jesus, uh, hashtag your days are numbered Jesus. So all of a sudden, they begin to put their spin that Jesus has gone to be a friend of Zacchaeus. They're all mad. They're all upset. They can't believe that Jesus would do this. And I want you to realize something, that Jesus did this in broad daylight. He did it intentionally. He did it on purpose. He wanted everyone to see him do it. Because this is what Jesus could have done. If he didn't want to cause controversy, if he didn't want to cause the problem, he could have passed by the tree, seen Zacchaeus there, went over, went a few more feet, told his disciples and said, hey, listen, afterwards, after this whole crowd thing is over, I want you to go talk to that guy, Zacchaeus. He's in the tree. 
tell him I'm going to meet him at 10 o'clock tonight, and we're going to have a secret meeting at his house, and we don't want nobody to see. Because, you know, we don't want to cause controversy. We don't want nobody to know. Jesus could have done that. Am I right? But Jesus purposely, in front of everybody, called out his name and said, Zacchaeus, today we're going to spin. We're going to go break some bread. We're going to have some carne asada at your house today. We're going to have a great time. I don't know if they're having carne asada. Who knows? But whatever it was, whatever they were going to eat that day, they were going to hang out. Now, let me just make, be very clear to you today. Every time you include someone that the world excludes, that the church excludes, especially in the culture that we live in, every time you include those people that nobody wants, that nobody thinks is good enough, you're going to cause trouble for yourself. You will suffer for that. You will pay a price for that. People will say things about the church. Let me say this about this church today. Can I be honest with you? Today, you may not know this, but across this room, there is a large spectrum of people. And I can name them one by one, many of them today. We have people sitting in this room that have done prison time. We have some very mean people that were very mean before they came to Christ. We've got people in this room that were fornicators, they were prostitutes, are you listening to me, drug addicts, and in gangs. So I don't want to scare you, okay? We also have professional people that have professional occupation, have their own businesses, have degrees, after degrees, I've known a number of people here, four or five degrees, uh, they can call them Mr. Fahrenheit. I mean, they got a lot of degrees, okay? So they got a lot of things. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. We've got people that are divorced, We've got people with blended families. We've got people with original families. We've got people with divided families. We've got people all kinds of different families that are represented in this room today. And so it's possible today as we do that, as I say that to you, to tell you that Jesus tells us to reach those people that nobody wants. Can you say amen? And so believe it or not, there are people outside this building that don't believe they are more welcome here than like a person like the Caius. Because they know that this is happening in here, but they want to observe from the outside. And so when I look at the Caius climb this sycamore tree, I could use the sycamore tree as the metaphor. I could use it as a metaphor as the internet. I want to say the sycamore tree is the internet, where you can observe from the distance and nobody can see that you're observing. This is why the internet is so powerful today. People can see what's going on inside without actually being there. And people can observe and see and watch what's going on. And so from the safety of the internet or the safety from the tree, people can hide or, or from the safety of watching on Facebook or on pad, podcasts, a, a service, people can watch what's going on without actually being there. This is why it's important as the church. Listen to me. I know it's going to sound like a commercial, but I'm being honest with you. It's important in our culture today that you share and post things about your church because people need to see. See, seeing is believing to a lot of people. They, they, see, when people think about church, I'm going to be honest with you. When people think about church and you invite them to church, they're not thinking about this. They're thinking, man, it's, a, you know, long pews and not padded chairs, you know, not nice professional lighting and, and, you know, relevant music. 
They're thinking of old hymns. Are you listening to me? They don't even think there's even young people in the church with middle-aged people and older people. They can't even picture that. So many of them, when, they, when you invite them to church, they have no idea what you're talking about. They have this perception. This is why the Internet is so important and you posting things about your church so people can get a visual and say, hey, maybe I'll go to that. Hey, you know what? There's some people my age like that. Hey, there's some people in that church that look like me. You know what? I think I can be accepted there. And so many people don't understand, let alone people don't even believe, they can't believe that we have a cafe. There's a cafe in that church? I can't believe it. I got to go. I got to go have some coffee. We had the mayor of Paramount here two months ago, and she said, I've never been to a church that had the cafe. I said, welcome to Praise Chapel Paramount. We have a cafe here. I said, you're welcome to come anytime, Mayor. And so they, they, can't, they, they don't imagine uh, uh, instruments and young people up here singing and, and lighting. And, uh, you know, we have hospitality. They don't picture any of those things. This is why it's important that you give them a visual of the church so that they can see that they are welcomed here. So Jesus goes to this man's house. They walk over, they go to the house, and this is where it really begins to get the religious people. The religious people begin to freak out. And I'm going to tell you why they begin to freak out. Because when Jesus goes to this man's house, he is displaying a huge act of acceptance. He's accepting this man. He's receiving this man, so to speak. By going to this man's house, listen to me, especially during the culture during that time. It was not just a cordial get-together. When you went to somebody's house and you broke bread with them, even around the world today, you are basically having someone, you're, you're basically giving out a huge act of acceptance. And so the religious people were, were freaked out. They couldn't believe that Jesus would accept the man like Zacchaeus. That Jesus was extending his acceptance to this man really upset the religious people. And we must never forget here at Praise Chapel, the core of our foundation is that we accept anyone that walks into these doors from any walk of life. They are accepted here. This is the core reason of why Jesus did what he did in front of everybody because I want you to catch this. He extended acceptance to Zacchaeus without any change. He said, hey, let's get together. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute, I need you to change first. You know, I need you to stop this or, or else I, can, I can't go have lunch with you. You know, I need you to say, see, there's a lot of churches before you enter in, man. Uh, you know what? You can't, you know, women can't wear pants. Women can't wear makeup. You know what I'm talking about? God, that could be a problem. No, it can't be. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I said it before. If the barn needs painting, you need to paint that thing. Anyway, I'm kidding. All right, I know. Can't wear jewelry. You know, guys can't show tattoos. Are you with me? You know, all these different things. You got to change the way you look. Got to change the way on the outside. All these requirements before you walk in the door. Now, I want you to write this down. As far as God is concerned, acceptance comes before change. I'm going to say it again. God operates this way, acceptance before change. That is not how man works. 
That is not how human beings operate. We won't accept people until they change. But God says, I accept you before I require any change of you. Thank God for that. Because I see it happen in every relationship. In marriages, uh, you know, I don't accept you until you change. We see it in teenagers, bosses toward employees, all these different things. There is no acceptance until there's change. But so the Caius is being accepted without any change taking place, without, uh, without any requirement of change. Jesus said, hey, we're going to go hang together. I'm going to go to your house. I know he knew he had a bad reputation. He knew he was despised by the community. He knew by going with this man, he was showing acceptance, but Jesus did it anyway. Now, I want you to see something that takes place because we know that after Zacchaeus felt accepted and he felt this acceptance from Jesus, we immediately see a change. Because after they go and they have this meal, he says, he tells Jesus, if I've robbed anyone or cheated anyone, I'll pay them up to four times what I owe them. Zacchaeus is now making a declaration of change. He's telling Jesus, I want to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to rectify the wrong that I've done. But remember, it's acceptance and then change. What that means is the way, God's people, the way God gets people to change is by accepting them first. Not by pointing the finger. Try that to your teenager and see how much they're going to change. Yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You're not going to change them that way. But if you give them a little bit of love, that you care about them and you want the best for them, they'll say, man, you know what? The reason my mom and my dad are telling me this, not because they're trying to tell me how bad I am, but they want the best for me. And when they feel that acceptance, guess what happens? They'll begin to change. So all of a sudden, we see Zacchaeus. He is overwhelmed with acceptance, and he willingly then begins to change. Now, let me just say this to you, where most churches, their philosophy is. And I've talked to a lot of pastors. I've talked to a lot of ministers, and their philosophy goes something like this. You come to church, you'll believe in God. We want you to come to church to believe in God. And when you start believing in God, then as you believe in God, as you begin to believe, you're going to begin to behave. And after you behave, then you'll belong. But I've taken that and said, no, we're not going to do that. When people come to this church, they're going to belong. They belong here. They belong. They're part of the family. After they belong, then our prayer, they'll begin to believe. And after they begin to believe from their heart, they'll begin to change and behave. How many believe that? That's exactly what we see in Zacchaeus. He felt so overwhelmed that Jesus accepted him. That Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was risking his own reputation. And he realized, you know, he loves me enough that he's risking his own reputation for my sake how much, well, how great is that of acceptance? So Jesus was willing to pay the price to include him. Are you listening to me? Anytime you try to include people, you will suffer criticism. You will suffer murmuring and backbiting from other people. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus included the Caius. 
despite his reputation. It reminds me of the very thing that when Jesus hung on the cross, most of us know he's hanging on the cross and there's two thieves next to him. Of course, one of the thieves begins to mock him and say, if you're the son of God, do this, do that. The other one says, Jesus, you know what? You know, you didn't do anything to deserve what you've done. We have. Just remember me when you get into your kingdom. He's dying breath. He's calling out to Jesus. Jesus tells them we know the story. Jesus turns to him and said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus did not say. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he didn't tell the guy, you'll reach out to me now, wouldn't you? Now that you're dying. Now with your last breath. Now you're saying, remember me. Where were you when I was preaching? Where were you when all the healing services? And you know me and I know you. I know you. You've been a part. You know, you're a robber and everything else. We know. I know about you. But where, where were you then? In fact, there are people right here watching you die because you cheated them. And so, you know what? I want you to give your apologies to them. Go tell them you're sorry first. And then maybe I'll think about you coming to my kingdom. Did Jesus say that? Jesus simply accepted him. He didn't get baptized. Are you hearing me? He didn't restore anything, but he received them into the kingdom just like that. Now, what I'm saying to you today, I don't want you to get me wrong. Acceptance does not mean endorsement. This is where a lot of people think, well, if you accept people, then you're endorsing the wrong that they're doing. No, I'm not saying that. Jesus was not endorsing the Caius. He wasn't saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go spend the day with you, but you know what? Uh, Whatever extra taxes you got, just remember me. Maybe you could pass a little bit of that money to me down the road. He wasn't telling that guy that. He accepted him, but he was not endorsing him. See, this a lot of times, this is not politically correct. We think that as long as we accept people, then we're endorsing them. No, that is not true. You can accept people without endorsing their behavior. Now, if you've ever had someone in your life, I have, where you had someone in your life that maybe was an alcoholic, maybe was a drug addict, maybe whatever they may be, maybe even a thief. And so as long as they don't hurt you or not ridiculing you, you'd go out to lunch with them. Let's say it's your relative. Let's say it's your brother or your sister. And you know all the wrong they're doing, but you accept them. They're still your brother. They're still your sister. And as long as they're not trying to hurt you and they want, they want to go out to eat with you, well, I'm not going to go. No, no, you're a thief. No, you're a drug addict. We're not going to go out to eat. Oh, you're an alcoholic. No, I can't, I can't eat with you. You're not going to do that. You're accepting them as your brother, and your, but you're not endorsing them. Did you hear me? You're not getting behind what they're doing. This is exactly what I want you to think about today because Jesus was not endorsing them. In fact, when you and I got saved, we didn't earn it. Did you hear the song? We didn't deserve it. Jesus paid the price on the cross in order to accept you. Are you hearing me? You were, in fact, you were accepted before you were even born. The Bible says he knew you in your mother's womb. In fact, the cross for God so loved the world is a great display of God's acceptance of humanity. He was willing to give his life. And yet, in our, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, well, you know what? I'll die after you guys all get it right, and then I'll die. No, he said, I'm dying for you because I accept you. 
Are you hearing me? And he and and, and it it's the hope. It's the hope of glory today that you would accept him in your life. See, here's the thing is many of us we realize God accepts us, but have you accepted God? He here's the great thing about Zacchaeus. Immediately after he gets accepted by Christ, we see him immediately say, you know what? I'll give up to half my goods or half my possessions to the poor. Immediately we see him transform from the weakness in his life. Now here's what I want you to catch. He didn't say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to stop gossiping because gossiping was not his weakness, right? He didn't say, Lord, I'm going to stop being a jerk and start being a nice guy. Because that wasn't his weakness. His weakness was his money had possessed him. And so automatically we see what was transformed in his life with the very weakness that he was dealing with as proof of his true conversion. Did you hear me? So God today, when you come to Christ and God God accepts you, and all of a sudden you begin to realize that God has accepted you, then what happens is as you begin to follow Christ, he begins to change you, and he changes areas in your life that you're the most weakness in. Maybe you're sleeping around. Again, I'm just putting it out. Maybe you're bound to drugs. Maybe you're bound to something. Guess what? That's exactly what God begins to transform. That's exactly what God begins to change. I've always read the scripture, and it's always kind of shook me what he said, but I'm going to read it to you, and it's, it's, it's in the scripture here in Matthew 21, 31. It says, tell me now, verse 31, which of these two sons did the will of the father? And they answered him and said, the first one. And Jesus said this, you're right, for many sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going into God's kingdom realm ahead of you. John came to show you the path of goodness and righteousness. Yet the despised and outcast believed in, the, in him, but you did not. When you saw them turn, you neither repented of your ways nor believed in his word. So Jesus is saying that the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going to get ahead of the religious people. Did you hear that? He said, believe it or not, the first people... Remember the story where Jesus said the the last shall be first and the first shall be last? You'll be surprised who's getting in before you do. You'll be surprised who's already in heaven before you even walk in. It may be the very unlikely people that you thought. Because, see, we we don't deserve it and we don't earn it. It is the grace of God. How many believe that? And so Jesus turns... And we can have the musicians come. But Jesus turns and he says, today salvation has come to this house. All of a sudden, there's a conversion that takes place in Zacchaeus' life. And the key was that he was accepted before he ever changed. And that's the key to our life. That's the key to us reaching people. That's the key as the church. If we're going to reach our community, if we're going to reach this city, we got to be ready for people that walk in these doors, no matter how they look on the outside, that God can touch their lives. Here's what always gets me, is that we get all worked up about how people look on the outside. Because you can see their flaws, you can see their dysfunction many times by how people dress and by how people look. 
You can say, oh, that person's dealing with this. This person comes from this lifestyle. That person comes from this lifestyle. That person looks like this. He comes from this side of the track. And we can identify people by the, their outside dysfunction, and we judge them by that. And yet, you don't realize that people on the inside, their dysfunction on the inside is way worse than some of these people on the outside. That's the truth. But because we don't see it, we treat them differently. That's not how Jesus operated. Jesus loved people all the same, no matter what their dysfunction was, no matter how they were on the outside. He accepted them. He received them. And as he received them, their lives began to be transformed. That's what we have to remember. See, sometimes if we're not careful, we could, we could forget that we come from the same world that the Caius comes from. If we're not careful, we forget where we came from. God touched our lives. We were out there too. We're lost just like them. The Bible says we're all sinners. Every single one of us. The Bible says all of us are sin- sinners. There's none righteous, not even one person. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have gone astray. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all need God's love. We all need God's grace. And we all need God's acceptance today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.